Hello and welcome everybody to the year that was dot dot dot. I'm your host Aaron Maxson along with my co-hosts for the evening, uh, my brother Nate. Hello. And Mr. Mark Brew. Hola. Um, I do apologize, it's been a little bit of a delay in getting a new episode out, but I've had shit going on. I got a shoot job. I mean, Nate's not paying me, so I gotta work. Um, but we're back on the we're back on the swing of things. My schedule should be normal now. So we're going to be back into um, breaking down a calendar year of WWF, WCW, or whatever major promotions are there at the time. Uh, this year, we are discussing 1997, and we are into July of 1997. Um, and we're going to discuss, I think, one of the best just solid pure wrestling shows that WWF ever put together. The it's, in your the, house. it's the it's the greatest secondary pay-per-view the WWE has ever produced. Yes. And and I just think it's a solid wrestling show. You know what I mean? Like this, like like this is there's nothing bad on it. And it is WWF in your house, Canadian Stampede, uh January 6, 1997, from the Saddle Dome in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And I wanna I don't I don't want to cut you off, Aaron. Okay. But if someone is listening to this show that has not did not live through 97, maybe you're watching this pay-per-view after the fact, or this is going to introduce you to it. Maybe you're experiencing 1997 for the first time in pro wrestling. Maybe you're a younger fan. The best way to describe this crowd to a younger fan would be to compare this crowd to the crowd in Chicago when CM Punk faced John Cena for the WWE Championship. This is a hot fucking crowd. Or, more recently, uh, the reaction Sami Zayn got in Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, just a very grit, hot, visceral crowd. And Canadians love their own. Like, yes. <laughs> it, like they'll like any wrestler. Except the Mountie. <laughs> well, even if he would show up, they'd cheer him. But, oh, excuse me. Like, an example is um, not to have to, like, talk about shit that's coming up later on or whatever, but Ken Shamrock is in this match, so they boo the shit out of him because he's fighting uh, He's fighting the Heart Foundation. And then they have a Raw coming up here in the next couple of weeks where he's in Canada and he doesn't have anything to do with the Heart Foundation, so they lose their mind when he comes out and cheer him. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like they'll like the as long as you're not fighting one of our own, we're cool with you. But the minute you link up with a Canadian or anybody that has any kind of uh, um, lineage to like the Stampede promotion or whatever or the Rougeau's promotion, then we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna boo the shit out of you. So um, that being said, like Nate said, it is a hot crowd. Um, there's a cool opening hype video featuring uh, the feud between Bret Hart and Steve Austin. And then Jim Ross, Vince McMahon, and Jerry Lawler are on headset. They're all wearing Western gear because they're in the Saddle Dome. And it is the Stampede. And Jerry Lawler is wearing that big, audacious black cowboy hat. Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. He's the king of the cowboys, McMahon. That's what he says. It's a giant hat. And there's footage from uh, um, 
wrestling with shadows because they were at this thing where they're doing this the Calgary Stampede um, like weekend events or whatever, and somebody else is wearing the big hat. So like this big hat. Was I think it was was it Michael Hayes? No, it, it wasn't Michael. Hayes. It wasn't Michael Hayes because Michael Hayes was wearing just regular stuff. Like he's wearing the cowboy stuff, but he was like emceeing the event. The guy wearing the big hat was like the the guy hyping the crowd or whatever. Like for when the cameras were gonna be on, he wanted them cheering. So he was like wearing the big hat and waving the big hat around. I don't know who so, it was. It was I think it was just some page or something like that. But yeah, so this big hat made its way around the the, the <laughs> locker room with the WWF. I wonder who well, they booed in the free for all match. What do you mean? The free for all match was the Godwins versus the New Blackjacks. I wonder <laughs> they probably both got booed. <laughs> it's it's uh, Calgary, so they most likely booed the uh, hog farmers over the cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Calgary. That's like it's it's a cowboy based um, area. That's why they wanted to call him Cowboy Bret Hart. Yeah, I'm like, so glad that didn't stick. And he's like, where I'm from, you, you don't call yourself a cowboy unless you're a cowboy, and I ain't no cowboy, you know. <laughs> yeah, he didn't they didn't make him cowboy Bret Hart. But um, so unless you guys got anything on the video or Lawler's big hat, then move I think on. we spent enough I think we spent enough time on the big hat. <laughs> uh the opening contest is mankind versus triple H, who's with China. Um we get a video package showing their feud um, as they're making their entrances. And then Jim Ross, did anybody catch what Jim Ross asked Vince McMahon? It's funny because he says, hey, I got a question. Has Hunter, has Hunter ever tried to buy the WWF? <laughs> Ironic. And then Vince McMahon was like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> 25 years later, lo and behold. (laughs) (laughs) But the match starts um, when they they, uh, both jump each other. Uh, Mankind is super over with the crowd. They brawl. They go back and forth. Triple H ends up bumping over the buckles um, and tries to escape. But Mankind attacks him, slams him on the ramp um, outside of the ring. China basically just body slams or body heaves mankind's big body into the steps, which is super impressive looking. Um, then Cactus Jack takes the Cactus Jack clothesline. Uh, it hits the Cactus Jack clothesline. Once they're back in the ring, hits it hits it on Triple H. Uh, mankind then tries to use a chair, but China stops him. And they brawl into the crowd, and they are both counted out. So double count out. Mankind and Triple H, and they still continue to brawl, and officials have to pull them apart. Two and double count out finishes I've had to watch in a week, thanks to you. <laughs> the the um the th- the one thing I will say, uh, other than the fact that this match is is great, and this feud is great, and these two together is great, and it's so refreshing to not see Hunter wrestling Gold Dust, is. This match, because of the way the Saddle Dome looks, this match might be one of the closest to looking that the W that a WWF match ever got to looking to like looking like a territory brawl. 
Yeah. You know, because the arena's not like it's not one of those state of the art arenas that they're usually in for a pay per view or whatever. It's like you know, Austin and 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 Brett was cool. It was a walk and brawl, but they were walking and brawling out into a big arena. You know, that had the you know the accoutrements and everything. And this just looks like like a territory brawl. Yeah. And Mick is also. Triple H always knows how to use her in his matches, but Mick was the first guy that understood how to use China as like somebody, like a, another part of the match. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like nobody else, everybody else was just kind of like, how do I say it? Anybody else that had any stroke just kind of didn't really want to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But guys like Bart Gunn and shit, they took it because they're Bart Gunn, you know? But like, does, does what I'm saying make sense? Yeah, Mick Foley. Mick Foley was willing to sell for her. Yeah, like and even even Dustin didn't really do a lot with it. Dustin he, was like, he'll have he'll she'll beat up Marlena. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. The only so, the only other the only other person they're the only other dude I should say the only other other dude that ever got in the ring with China that that did the China thing with China perfectly was Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho did when they were like the co-intercontinental champion thing and all that, but definitely McFoley did. He was the first one to figure it out. Well, what about Eddie? I, I, and see, guys, I know what you're saying with that. I'm talking about not even necessarily her being the, the, the worker, like the wrestler. I'm talking about allowing her to be Hunter's, Hunter's heater. You know what I mean? Right. Like he's he understood that this lady is impressive and it doesn't look like a chick's beating me up. It looks like this, this, she's in better shape than me. Like she should be able to throw me around and shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he was just the first one to not have that. Like selfishness. Well, not even selfishness, but like ego, ego or misogynistic type thoughts of it. Like, like he was the first guy to just be like, let's use this chick. Yeah. You know, as part of the match, not just something you look at and be like, Oh, look at her or whatever. But yeah, it's like, let's use her as part of the fucking match. And it works. And I love watching her kick the shit out of him. It's fun. (laughs) One more thing I thought of about that cowboy hat though. (laughs) If Dink popped out of it, that would only be the only thing that could make it better. (laughs) Dink's just sitting on Lawler's head. (laughs) Or the, or the Haiti kid. (laughs) Well, then we get Michael P.S. Hayes um, interviewing. I know they called him Doc, but whatever. Uh, They got Michael Hayes trying to interview the Hart Foundation, but Steve Austin runs in and all the the officials have to hold him back and he's yelling at him and and Owen's like, this is our time. And and Steve, he didn't get close enough for them to get him or him to get them, but it was just kind of like a little argument in the locker room um so like, hey don't forget this match is coming up <laughs> yeah um so they have that um i think it also was to show that steve austin is teaming with people tonight but he doesn't care he's just going to go in a locker room with five other guys like i don't need my partners you know what i mean yeah <laughs> yeah um then we get our next match. It's Taka Motherfucker versus 
the great Sasuke, Sasuke, whatever you want to call him. Nobody knows how to say either one of these guys' names. Everybody <laughs> that, is saying that it. was Tacos on Monday too. That was his name. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody is saying anybody's name right. Jim Ross is fucking it all up. The commentate like nobody. Um, Carlos Cabrera might have got it right. <laughs> so before this, the excuse me. Um, before the match can actually get started, though, um, Triple H and um, Mankind end up brawling back through the crowd, and the fans are losing it. And Taka Motherfucker and the Great Sasuke are um, just standing in the ring like dildos, watching it. And then the fight breaks up, and then they re- then they start their match. That made no sense. <laughs> it it, uh, it it didn't make sense. It may it didn't make sense for them to stand in the ring waiting. It did make sense to have the brawl come out into the arena. That's realistic. Oh, I know. But, they, I'm the that brawl, is, the, but the that should that should it should have been like that happens before the introductions, and then we have the introduction. Either that, either that, or the match is going on and the brawl is going on, and they're both going on at the same time. Right. That, that looks even more spontaneous. Right. The fun story about the fun story about this match is going into this match, the star that the WWF was looking at and wanted to sign was the great Sasuke. Mm-hmm. Instead, yeah. could, Taka was just along for the ride for Sasuke, really, and instead he's the one that caught their eye and is the one that winds up getting signed by the WWF. And plus, Sasuke had a bad attitude. Taka didn't, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, come on. He agreed to that kind of shit. That's awesome. <laughs> I but, know that. But I'm just saying though, it was a, it was weird. Like you didn't know what to make of it at first to me. Sasuke wasn't willing to relocate to America. Like he said that they would have to split their time and all this other shit and wanted this and wanted that. And they were like, uh, nobody knows who the fuck you are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like. And I know magazine people and dirt sheet people knew who he was, but it's like this is the WWF. Nobody knows who yeah. the fuck you are. Like maybe five hundred of those people out in that fucking building right now know who the fuck you are. You're the in other no position. You're in no. You're in no position to make demands. <laughs> shut up. You know. Plus, he's, plus his name sounds like a dish. <laughs> mm, this is the that, great that was, that was that was a great Sasuke. <laughs> but as the match is going on, like I said, that feed, the brawl starts. Um, they start out slow. Um, they mention Antonio Noki versus uh, Muhammad Ali for some reason. I don't remember what brought that up. <clears throat> and then they speak of uh, um, Sasuke having the potential to be like Tiger Mask. Um, Taka takes a bit, and they even men- they even mentioned Dynamite's name, which. Does not happen very much, right? Um, Taka takes a big bump over the top rope, and the great Sasuke hits us. I thought it was a stupid looking move. It's like a flying sidekick thing, like like a Street Fighter type move. It doesn't look good. <laughs> um, just doesn't. They try to do. They try to be more than what it was. Um, is, he Taka, gonna fit, is he gonna hit his fatality after this? <laughs> <laughs> Peter Chu. Um, um, 
I know it's two different games, but Tatanka, Taka, Taka uh, is selling good. Oh my God, Tatanka! <laughs> he's selling good for uh, Sasuke, um, but I think he's actually outshining him in this match. Um, Taka hits his Michinoku driver number two, and uh, people lose their goddamn minds when he hits that thing. They're like, holy shit. But Sasuke kicks out and ends up getting a double arm back suplex for the one, the two, and the three. And your winner is the great Sasuke. And well, there, are, there are some messed up spots in it, but overall it was a cool match. And, I mean, there's nothing bad on this pay-per-view. Um, speaking of great Sasuke. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'm not even knocking him. You know what I mean? I'm just, like him as a talent. He was very talented. Mm-hmm. I just think that he came over here and trying to trying to big dog himself, and they were just like, "Nah, <laughs> fuck off." Yeah, like, if you're gonna lose to Taco, yeah, get back on your, your rickshaw and get on, get like, on that, out of here. <laughs> that was this is my first time seeing Sasuke, and there's been few wrestlers like throughout the years that it's my first time seeing them in certain stuff and, and they impress me. The one that I can say impressed me the most was at a WrestleMania Aguila. Yeah. He, he had a really, really good match. He wound up yeah. being, he wound up being, yeah, Papi Chulo, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, it, because he was the guy that, um, Oh, he wrestled. He wrestled as some S. S. A. Rios too, didn't he? I think uh, wasn't. Yeah. Wasn't he also S. A. Rios? I want to say so, but I want. I want to make sure I'm not talking stupid. I think he because I'm pretty sure he was because he was the first dude that uh, Lita managed when she came into the WWE. Yeah, it was. It was S. A. Rios. I want to make sure I'm not dumb. <laughs> Sorry, well, I know. No, I'm dumb, but you know what I mean. Now it's going to bug me, and I won't be able to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Mark, why'd you bring that up? <laughs> but yeah, he, he was uh, S.A. Rios. Yes, he was Aguila, Aguila, S.A. Rios, Mr. Aguila, and Papi Chulo. And now he has a big, big mohawk that's in three different triangles. Yeah. Okay. And looks... Yeah. Looks completely different. So there he is. He's not even on this show, but we're good. It's <laughs> all right. <laughs> but uh, no, seriously, like like Nate said, these guys, they they did good. Um, it, it wasn't a bad match. Um, I think they did it in front of the right crowd. Um, because Calgary has a history of being accepting of like different. Like styles of wrestling, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, like, uh, there's not a lot of Calgary you can find unless you know where to find it, or unless you like, you know, whatever. But Stu always had different people come. Like he always had Japanese guys coming in. He'd bring in like, like guy. Uh, he was he'd bring in like Samoans and all kinds of different factions and groups and. Anything like that. So it, it, it was, was very it was, it was a very diverse territory, and um, it was just the right crowd to put it in front of. I think. Um, so up next, um, 
This show might not even go an hour. Um, Michael Hayes interviews Paul Bearer, um, and he says that Paul Bearer should be ashamed of himself, and Paul Bearer's like, I should be, but I'm not. Like, I have no <laughs> basically. Um, because of what he's doing to The Undertaker. And then he says that uh, Big Van Vader, I guess I should just say Vader, Vader is going to um, defeat The Undertaker solidly, just like he did at uh, the Royal Rumble at the beginning of the year. So that's the story of this match. Um, it was supposed to be Ahmed Johnson. But like I said, he got hurt 27 seconds after he joined the Nation of Domination. So he's out. And then um, um, they've replaced him with Vader. And like I said, the story, and they even show the footage of it, is the fact that Vader beat um, Undertaker clean at the Royal Rumble 97 in the Astro, in the, not the, no, wasn't the Astro Dome. Alamo Dome. Alamo Dome, sorry. Beat him clean to the Alamo Dome uh, at the Royal Rumble. So the story is he beat him then, he can beat him now. And Vader's going to be the next WWF champion. Good, 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 quick story they came up with. Yes. And, and thank goodness this is the match we got and not the yeah. original. And not Ahmed because he would have been injured after this one. <laughs> um, Plus, yeah. I, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed the match as much. Oh, no, that would have sucked. Ahmed was terrible. Taker would have been like three seconds in. We're taking it home. <laughs> so it's Undertaker versus Vader. Vader is accompanied by Paul Bear. Um, did Paul, did Vader ever not have a fat manager? Like <laughs> Harley got fat. Corny was fat at the time. Cornette was fat. Paul Bear's fat. Let's look at. Let's see if we can find the list of people who's managed Vader. I think that was it. So yeah, he's a. He's never had a big fat. He's always had big fat, big fat manager. <laughs> <laughs> like I like that when they when he comes out with Cornette at SummerSlam '96 or whatever. There's that shot of him. They're like waddling to the ring. It's like a weird little angle they have of him. <laughs> but anyway. Um, uh, Taker starts in quickly on Vader because Taker's mad and he's taking out his aggression on Vader because he can't get at Paul Bear. Um, Taker hits the spoiler spot right away, but Taker but Vader kicks out. Um, Taker then goes for Paul Bear, but Vader stops him. Um, Vader kicks out of a tombstone, and the match continues. Uh, Vader goes for a Vader bomb, but Undertaker nuts him and hits a choke slam, which Vader kicks out of. And then, and then Vader, Jesus Christ! Then Vader then, then kicks out of another choke slam, um, but this time Undertaker ends up kicking him and getting the tombstone on him. And pinning him one, two, three, and Undertaker is still your WWF champion. Um, I know I didn't go into a lot of detail on the match, but because there wasn't a lot of detail to the match, but what they did was good, and Undertaker actually put over Raider pretty good. Like he kicked out of a lot of his big shit, you know what I mean? 
Undertaker and Vader always had good matches against each other. You could tell that they respected each other. Yeah, so I enjoyed it, and it shows what somebody could get out of Vader as long as they know how to work or work with him and understand him and whatever. Well, like, un- unlike people like Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan, it's yeah. like Undertaker. Undertaker understood what Vader was. You know, Sting understood who Vader was. Flair understood what Vader was. I just watched that goddamn Super Brawl the other night where Hogan just kicked it, like just popped up after the the Vader bomb or the power <laughs> bomb. Yeah. And I was angry, and it was almost thirty years ago, and I was still angry watching. I was like, "You son of a bitch, you idiot!" God, he just killed his finish. Well, that and he could have he could have made so much more money with Vader if he would have just put his fucking ego aside. He was yeah. afraid of him. Hogan was afraid of anybody that could possibly make more money. No, he was like afraid of him. <laughs> like this guy could fuck me up. And he's not going to care if he does. That's probably half the locker room. Same reason he didn't want to work with Rick Rude. Mm-hmm. Rick Rude's, I'll just punch him in the fucking neck. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? He's going to fuck around and find out. You know what I mean? That's why. That's, and I, and I'm, not, I'm not slighting this gentleman at all. But that's why Hulk Hogan got Paul White into the business. Because he saw that he could create his own giant. That yeah. would do his bidding. You know? Hogan saw that picture of Vader and Rude and was like, holy shit, this is where I'm going? (laughs) (laughs) Might get uh, a pistol pulled on him. But it's funny you brought that up. And like I said, I'm telling a couple stories that are talking about some other stuff just because I want to kind of pad the show a little bit because the pay-per-view, like I said, isn't very long. Um, You bringing up the fact that Hogan wanted to bring in um, Paul White so he could, like, you know, build his own giant. I was talking to somebody and brought up like like Terry Funk, you know, mm-hmm. and how Terry Funk was like, oh, I could get that guy over, or I could work well with him. I could do great things with him, you know, or mm-hmm. um, even to a certain extent, like like Brett, like Brett wasn't like, oh, what can I do to protect myself? Brett was like, what he did eventually, but it was also like, I don't. I want to work with all these guys so I can make them better, you know, mm-hmm. so that I have more people to work with after I make right. these guys, you know, um, Hogan, like Hogan wasn't like that. It was like, who can I create to just beat? Yeah. <laughs> and that's why, that's why that first, that's why that first year and a half for whatever, almost two years that he was in WCW, they just, Essentially, Kevin Kevin Sullivan just let Hogan bring in his buddies so he could be insulated and work with his buddies and have his ego stroked and get to body slam John Tenta all the time and you know what I mean. Yeah. And yeah, he was he with with uh Paul White though. I feel like he was chasing that moment of uh, him and Andre. Oh, he definitely was. Yeah. He definitely he was. He brought in Renegade because he went to end up probably eventually turn Renegade against him, and so he could beat Renegade. So he could act like he's the ultimate warrior. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the Dollar General <laughs> ultimate yeah, warrior. I only realized this guy's even worse than the ultimate warrior. Like he can't <laughs> even he can't even copy the ultimate warrior. Right. Uh something that I couldn't find a list of people who uh managed Vader, but I did learn something that I did not know. 
He was the 80th overall pick in the 1978 NFL draft. Yeah, he played for the Rams. Yeah. And, and did you did you also know, Mark? Little side note, you might know this. We were just discussing him. That character, the big Van Vader character, was actually created in Japan for the Ultimate Warrior. He was the one they wanted to play that character. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. Which, how different would the world be <laughs> if Jim Helwig would have been Big Van Vader? Then would then would uh, Vader have been the Ultimate Warrior? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Leon painted up in that fucking face paint <laughs> with the with the uh, with the arm tassels? Yeah. <laughs> so, like I said, this match it was good. Um, it wasn't like you know. A barn burner or anything. He kind of knew that Vader wasn't going to win it, but it was still passable. And Taker did a good job helping. Well, did a good job making Leon look strong by having him kick out of his shit and stuff like that. So I appreciated mm-hmm. it. Yeah, uh, I liked it. Then Jerry Lawler, Vince McMahon, and Jim Ross discuss the upcoming 10 man tag that we're going to be rolling into, which is our main event. Um, and then uh, Farmer's Daughter, they sing the national, the Canadian national anthem. And he's not talking about the Rodney Atkins country song. <laughs> I don't even know who Rodney Atkins is, or whatever you said is, let alone Farmer's Daughter. I don't fucking know who these people are. Um, but there are apparently some, at this time in 97, they were like, I don't know if they were like the Dixie Chicks of Canada. <laughs> I don't know. I know the one. What is it? There's that one pay per view. Is it? I think it's a WWF pay per view. It's like a mid '90s one when, you know, they were they were getting D list celebrities instead of A list celebrities on their shows. I think it's one of it's either one of their shows. Maybe it's a WCW show. But they're like here to sing the national anthem. Member of the band Thunderfoot, <laughs> and I'm like, the fuck? I don't know who Thunderfoot is. That's WC, that's, is it? That's WCW because they'd always have some fucking like ragtag motherfucker, slack jawed <laughs> mullet having. Yeah, it has some mullet looking motherfucker that's shirt looked like a fucking tablecloth <laughs> and like a big belt buckle that or, Rufus or, probably let in. That that or they'd have a denim shirt. Yeah. They look like a fucking a knockoff like a, Billy Ray Cyrus. Like, like Jeff Foxworthy is what they all look like. <laughs> it's a big poofy, big poofy mullets or whatever. It's like, what is going on? So they then they got a uh, um then they got a uh, oh Aaron, Aaron Neville. Aaron Neville. Yeah. And uh um that was that spring stampede. It was Aaron Neville when he wore that big cowboy. He wore a big cowboy hat and a fucking denim shirt too. But then he, was, <laughs> um, he sung it. And then later on, uh, during one match, Tony's like, what'd you think about Aaron Neville? Bobby singing the national anthem. And Bobby was like, that was me. He was lip syncing. <laughs> Billy and then he looks, and then he looked over and he's like, Oh, there he is. <laughs> he's a big fella. <laughs> So yeah, Aaron Neville. I think he's dead now. I don't know. Doesn't Here we matter. go. <laughs> <laughs> what? And he's like Aaron Neville's like 
singing Mike Tyson. Yeah. Like his 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 look does not match his voice, <laughs> like his singing voice. Like you see this big man and then he sings and he's got this like high high voice. It's like, what is going on? <laughs> well, it says he's 82. Well then he's not dead, I guess. <laughs> Still kicking. Maybe it was his brother that died. One of the Neville brothers. I know one of the Neville brothers is dead. Um, yep, he is still alive. Oh, good for him. Godspeed, Aaron Neville. Yeah. Figured the diabetes would have got him by now. <laughs> but uh, Fink then introduces uh, Stu and Helen Hart. And Stu is... <sighs> Stu... I knew what was going on but was always just looked confused <laughs> you know what I, mean? like, I don't think he didn't know what was going on and he was he was like super smart to the professional wrestling business you know what i mean mm-hmm. but I like i don't think he had dementia at this point no i mean if the you like you said there isn't a lot you see of calgary but there's stuff you can still see of calgary from like the late seventies, early eighties, where he, where he's even still wrestling, but when he's cutting a promo, he's gonna, yeah, yeah, get a, you Archie Goldie, you, uh, you yeah, I'm not saying the way he speaks. Like I'm sorry, like when the, like when the, whenever the camera's on him or whatever, what's that weird? Like he's in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, he's like kind of smile a little bit, but not smile. He's just. He always looks confused and startled, but I think he still knows what's going on. <laughs> and Helen always looks petrified. Well, I think she was. <laughs> like, like, when the camera goes on him, he doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. he's supposed to stand. Like, like, he looks weird when he said, like, when Brett wins the Intercontinental title, he's weird there. You know, he's weird here. But anyway, and, and Stu when he walk when he when he walks and the way he wears his pants and stuff always looks like he's one of those guys that has like a wet hanky in his back pocket. <laughs> well, yeah, it was the era that he was from. He's got a comb in his back pocket. He was probably confused on whether or not he should be happy for Vince. <laughs> but they always had a comb in their back pocket, and they wore those pants that had the um, the metal clasp. <laughs> yeah, not a button. It didn't have a but you saw no button. It was just a metal clasp that went into the the other thing, and that's how your pants connected. <laughs> they were pulled up a little too tight at all yeah. times. Pulled up a little too high. Dress. Um, the dr- oh oh the a dress shirt a dress shirt with short short sleeves. I yeah, hate short sleeve dress shirt. Short sleeve dress shirt. Um. A tank, probably... top, a tank top underneath it, and you can see the tank top <laughs> with the class pants. Generally, they're in, generally with the class, with the class pants, um, basic shoes, and like slick hair. So they're dressed yeah, like Happy gonna... Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, they, they have the, they have a they have a hanky in their pocket, a comb in their pocket, and possibly a little can of Dapper Dan for their hair. Yeah, they gotta make sure that shit's tight, yo. <laughs> And, Tight and shiny. Yeah. <laughs> Not knocking it. Not I'm the paterfamilias. <laughs> we have Nate and I have people in our family that were like that. They're called our grandpas. I just, <laughs> man, that's just how that was like. But to me, it's crazy that, like, <laughs> to me, it's insane that there were women that were like, oh, look at him. <laughs> you know what I mean, 
Yeah. Let me borrow some of his hair grease. My chicken needs more. <laughs> you're, looking, you're, looking, you're, looking, you're looking good in your slacks, Stu. Yeah. <laughs> but then he's like, hmm, I want to get me some of Mildred. <laughs> like to his buddies. <laughs> it's like, you should have seen what I did to, to Bernice last night. <laughs> and Bernice is like, give it to me, Morty. <laughs> She's got a sister, Sally Joe, that's really rocking. <laughs> Just like Morty Cliff. <laughs> Just, yeah. Anyway, I don't know how we got here. Oh, Stu. <laughs> Stu. Thanks, Stu. Yeah. Um, so then all the Heart Foundation, they get their... And I'm not going to do justice to this match. I tried, but it's not going to work. Um, for anybody that wants to go watch it, though, not the match. Uh, if people aren't aware and you want to watch it, I referenced the Canadian stand... Or the Wrestling with Shadows documentary a little bit ago. There's a clip um, or scene, whatever you want to call it, of Pat Patterson... Um, laying this match out with Bret Hart behind the scenes. And in 1997, when this documentary came out, that was the most interesting goddamn thing mm -hmm. I had ever seen as a, as a wrestling fan. Yep. That, that had never, ever been shown. And I don't think they've ever allowed something like that to be filmed or shown again. Well, Yes, Beyond they the have Beyond the Mat. But since since those two movies, they I mean WWE does a lot of their own backstage stuff now. It wasn't Beyond the Mat just more about like you get hit with the chair, hit with the chair, but it wasn't like the laying out of the entire match. Well, they do they do some of the they do you do sorry, I'm stammering. They do show you some of the laying out of Rocky versus Mankind. Yeah. At that Royal Rumble. Yeah. Because Vince is even saying to him, like, oh, they're going to be so upset when they find out that you got fucked or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, like, okay, I'll just say, it, I guess at this time, yeah. But at this time, yeah, the wall came crumbling down. Like, I remember watching that, and I would just put that tape back in and just watch that scene and be like, Jesus Christ, that's how they do it. You know what I mean? And, and to us, it seems like the most complicated thing in the world. But Pat Patterson's just like, did he do this? Did he do that? Then he fucking yeah. bibbity boppity boo, bibbity boppity boo. And then he, you mother, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, didn't you come out and the stuff? Your brother, he kicked Steve Austin in his fucking leg, and he just came back from the injured fucking leg, and then he throws the drink, and he's like, you mother fucking fucker. <laughs> and he thinks it's Stu, and he hits Stu. It's just like, you gotta go and watch it. It's great. And Brett's, Brett's like, yeah, Stu will get off on it. Being yeah, it's like, you hit Stu, he'll probably get off on it. I like it. <laughs> and it's just, it's, 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 it's amazing to watch. Um, I think it's funny, too, I think it's funny, too, that the hearts are one of those families that um, more ordinarily, more I guess ordinarily call their dad just by his name. Right. Like they don't say, they don't, they, I mean, sometimes Brett will, like if he's doing a hall of fame speech or something, but a lot of times they call, they, you hear him talk about him and they just call him Stu. They don't call I him think, dad. I think, I think they did that. I think Stu maybe you had them do that because 
they worked for him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I bet I bet at the house they don't they didn't call him school. You know, but he probably didn't want them walking around the locker room being like, "Oh, did you hear what my dad said?" Right. Because then he's just gonna be like, "Your dad, huh? Your dad, your dad, your dad." It's <laughs> like let's just call him Stu at the at the let's call him Stu at the arena because he's Stu at the arena. He's not dad. You know what I mean? No, the opposite with the Von Erics. They always called him dad. Daddy. Or dad. Or dad. Or daddy. Or dad. My brother Curry. Curry. <laughs> my, brother, my brother Curry. David. David. Kevin. David. My daddy. My daddy. My brother my daddy. Curry. My, my, daddy. <laughs> my daddy was a good man. It's like, no, your daddy was not a good man. <laughs> Dang. Your daddy sold tickets to David's funeral, you piece of shit. Anyway. <laughs> um, I like I like Kevin Von Erich, but anyway, I like the Von Erichs. I just don't like Fritz. Yeah, same. I didn't like that fucking show you. Just, we just had to watch. <laughs> That's <laughs> But anyway, uh, we can shit on Fritz next week. <laughs> Shitting on the Fritz. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting on the face. Is that, is that what happens after you eat fried food or Taco Bell? <laughs> I might I might have to download those lyrics now and then write the whole song shitting on the I gotta do something to make that show entertaining next week. Good lord. <laughs> anyway. I'm calling in sick. <laughs> Uh, Austin and Brett start the match. Austin ends up outside the ring. Um, this is what we're talking about where um, Bruce ends up um, talking some shit to Steve, and Steve hits him. And then uh, Bruce uh, tosses a uh, drink, and Brett, or Steve thinks Stu threw it, so he goes after Stu, which um, brings over all the Heart Boys over the railing. To attack Conglom onto Steve Austin. Um, they throw Steve back into the ring where Owen Hart rolls up Steve for the one, two, three, and the Hart Foundation win the match. The fans lose their ever loving fucking minds. And the show goes off the air with all um, 687 members of the Hart family <laughs> um, celebrating in the ring. Um, like even like like their children, everybody. Brett, there there's a shot that um, gets used all the time. Well, a shot that gets used a lot of Owen holding Oge and all that shit. That's it's all there, um, and it's just a really good, solid pay per view. And you don't even notice that it was just four matches. You don't even yeah. notice. Yeah, it it's was a, it was it was a short card for sure. It's a it's a fantastic show. It's um it's like watching this show is if I if I wanna do if I wanna show somebody at least in the WWF style, in the WWF style, this is a perfect wrestling show. You know, it's it's got a great hot crowd. It's you, you got your you got your hometown boys in the main event. You got a solid opener that's crazy. Then you have a high flying match 
with two high fly, high flying match, two high flyers, obviously. Then you got a title match, but that's also the slower match on the card to kind of slow things down. And then a hot ass main event, like I said, with the hometown boys and the, as the baby faces in the main event. It's a perfect pro wrestling card. Yes, I really enjoy it, and I highly recommend watching it. I give it an A plus, and like I said I have nothing bad to say about it. So that's why we had to bring up other things to make fun of because just the way it is. And you got to make up other shit to make talk about other than the show that you just watched. It means it's a good show. Yeah. Because who just wants to hear three guys being like, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> Welcome to the That's circle, jerk. Jerkins. Yeah, <laughs> last, one, last one has to eat the cookie, you know. Like... <laughs> That's gross. But anyway, um, so uh, that concludes the Canadian Stampede in your house. Um, we're moving along now like i said we're in july um obviously i'm not talking about these shows tonight but the next shows that we were going to discuss will be the wc in case anybody wants to watch them before the show is going to be wcw nitro and wwf raw from july the 7th 1997 uh wcw will be in memphis at the mid-south coliseum and wwf will be in edmonton alberta canada so that is what we got coming up. Um, and do you guys have any parting words before we close this show out? Well, you never said the name of the show. What do you mean? You never said this is the year that was. So this is the year that yeah, was. I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I said it at the beginning of the show. Did you? I thought you yeah. just said, all right, folks, here we go. Canadians, I never heard you <laughs> say it. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for paying attention. <laughs> Hey, I, I pay attention when it when it matters. <laughs> <laughs> dot dot dot. Yeah, you were just more concerned about getting your little Takamichi Noku factoid in there. I'm really listening, <laughs> <laughs> waiting for my moment. Yeah, like, I'm gonna pounce, pounce. Just say some shit, make me sound smart. <laughs> it's not just the glasses, folks. <laughs> <laughs> But no, in reality, I didn't have I didn't have anything else to say on the show. All right, but like I said, this is the year that was. Dot dot dot. Um, I am your host, Aaron, and I want to thank Mark and Nate for joining along. And next week, we'll get into the brawls and and nitros of the '97, and those shows go a little bit longer just because there's more to unpack on this. So, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for joining, and I appreciate it. Thank you, sir.